Observing the Mars Occultation on episode 283 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. I'm Chris, and joining me is Shane. We are amateur astronomers who love looking up the nighttime sky and asking, are there vampires in space? Whoa, are there? <laughs> don't. We will find out in this oh, episode, okay, Shane. Okay. So before we get started, we have a few thank yous to shout out to. Yeah, uh, we have uh, another slate of new Patreon supporters. So big thanks to Mike, Clint, uh, Jim C and Don, uh, who all sent, um, some support our way. We really appreciate it. Um, and you know, I always thank all of our Patreon supporters. Uh, again, we really appreciate all of that. It, uh, it's just nice to know, um, that some, or, you know, that people appreciate it and are, are, uh, willing to help out with some of the expenses and things like that. So thank you very much. Yes. And I've dropped some significant money of my own this past month. And uh, thanks to Don who helped supplement my new mic because I'm on a broadcast quality mic and I actually am running through an audio interface today. So, uh, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll have some better sound here before too long. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think just to my ears, Chris, you sound, uh, even better than before and, and who knew that was even possible so just like honey in the ears yeah i think i think you can consider this a success good stuff and for everybody who has contributed patreon either recently or in the recent past we're uh, gonna say consider yourself enrolled in our draw we're gonna give away some uh, rasc observers handbooks and at least a couple calendars uh, sometime in the next two weeks, we're sort of working out our Christmas schedule here now, but for anybody still interested in getting in on that, we're going to give people until, um, you know, at least uh, a few days after this one drops. So go to patreon.com slash actual astronomy and we'll announce the winners around New Year's. Yeah, that'll be exciting. So did you get any observing in Shane? A little bit. Um, yeah, I was able to observe the uh, uh, occultation uh, on December the 7th. Um, it was unaided, so I was just naked eye observing mm -hmm. it. And uh, that was quite exciting. Um, what a what a unique opportunity, you know, to not just see Mars at opposition, but to see the occultation in the same night. I, I thought that was super cool. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I, I really didn't do any other observing. Um, how about yourself? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was able to, uh, to get out and had you seen any other occultations before? Uh, yeah, like mostly moon and, you know, stars or clusters, you know, things of that nature, but, um, I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't think I've seen a planetary occultation like that. There were some back in, I guess it was like the early two thousands and there was a, a, a rooftop parking lot beside my office and there was, um, over the years that I worked there, I was able to see, uh, Jupiter, Saturn and Venus, uh, have, have their occultation event with the moon. So in the, in the occultation events, what, what happens exactly? Like, what are we, what are we talking about when we talk about an occultation? Basically just from our vantage point, one object obscures or, or makes another object disappear. So yeah, sort of, you know, the, the appearance is that one object moves in front of the other essentially. Yeah. For me, the occultations that I had observed in the past were only, um, they were either daytime or twilight. And anyway, the, the three that I had observed for Jupiter, Saturn, Venus, uh, it was terrible, uh, <laughs> observing conditions. <laughs> like just cloudy and, and bad seeing or bad seeing 
just yeah, like yeah. you couldn't imagine how bad the scene can be during the day. I remember I was watching uh, Jupiter back in, it was probably like 2004 or something like that. And holy cow, like I, I could, I think I may have seen one of the moons, but like you couldn't see any detail. It was just like uh, Jupiter was just a, a blurry circle and you could see the edge of the moon, but holy cow, like just the ripples and everything. So I saw them. But I really didn't uh, get too much of an observation. And so I was really excited to, to get Mars because I hadn't seen a, a Mars occultation before, but I'd seen photos of it. And I was just blown away to see like that little um, reddish orange disc that we're so familiar with actually, you know, pass, you know, behind the moon. And uh, I just thought, man, this is going to be something else to see. Yeah, and the photographs that came out after uh, this recent occultation were incredible. And it, it's just, it's one of those things with, uh, you know, we've talked about it before around context with scale, uh, you know, when you're observing things that sometimes having something else in the field of view really changes your perception because now you can see now, now like different colors sometimes pop out like with double stars or, you know, with planetary objects, sometimes the size yeah <laughs> you know the when i look at mars i never think of it as like a, a real small object you know yeah. i use a lot of power and and you know I, I can see a lot of surface detail but then seeing it in all of these photographs and even visually that night uh next to the moon was just incredible the size mm -hmm. difference yeah and and to the unaided eye mars always looks like this beautiful brilliant shiny orange star um, you know, in, in the sky. So I was really excited to, to see it. I, I figured that it would be like enhanced, um, next to the moon because the moon is such yeah. that stark white. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That was, uh, that was my expectation as well. Yeah. And I thought that, you know, this, this would only be enhanced, uh, through the telescope just because you're contrasting, uh, that brilliant, almost like snow white lunar surface mm -hmm. with the, uh, with the orange disc. So I was really expecting those, uh, those colors to, uh, to pop out and kind of like what you were saying, this is going to be a bit of a special event because Mars on that night for us was basically at opposition or opposite, uh, the sun in our sky. So and within just a few days of of its closest approach to to earth during this uh, opposition period and the moon was going to be full within a very short period i think like three hours off full when the occultation event occurred so we had mars as big and as bright as it was going to be uh, this year and and for sort of several years around this and then the moon also sort of as as big and as bright as it as it gets in our night sky so uh that's kind of like the definition of a fairly rare event. I don't. I don't think that the other ones that have occurred uh, were occurring when when Mars was uh, right at opposition like this. Yeah, exactly. I I would have to you know look through the history books, I guess, to see if anything similar has ever. Or, or I'm sure at some point it has. But yeah. But I, I think the rarity of such uh, you know for two events to line up like that on the same night is is quite incredible. Yeah, because the occultation an occultation can occur at any point. Yep. in in the moon's orbit or in the orbit of of the other planet so it, it could occur um, when the moon is at like a quarter phase or something like that and maybe the planet is months or or even a year off of opposition um so it's it's pretty cool but i, I gotta put a quick plug in here shane hope, hope you don't mind um format publishing actually sent us a copy of this book and i said that i'd i do a bit of a quick promo for it if you don't mind yeah, go for it. Um, I, I would like to have a, a quick chat about this. So yeah, why don't you kick it off? 
So I recently received a copy of this book. I bought a copy. <laughs> So, I, I, I did as well. And, oh, uh, awesome. Yeah, so that's why I'm excited to talk about this. Okay, great. And so we've we've each bought copies of this book. And then for Mac, um, I was talking to the author, who's who's our friend Dave Chapman, and he said, oh, right, for Mac, and maybe they'll, they'll send you one. And they did. So the book is called Mi'kmaq Moons, and the way to spell it is uh, M-I apostrophe K-M-A-W, and then it's just Moons, M-O-O-N-S. And uh, this is just um, uh, a book by Dave Chapman, who's a uh, past guest on the show and, and, a, and a really good friend of mine, actually. And Kathy LeBlanc, who's a collaborator of his with uh, graphics by artist Loretta Gould. And you can buy this on Amazon. I put a link in there, Shane. And uh, you can just go to Amazon and type in uh, Mi'kmaq Moons, M-I-K-M-A-W. M-O-O-N-S, and you'll see a copy of the book, and it gives this uh, really nice description. But what's what's very interesting about this book, at least to me anyway, is that it's about the different moons, the different full moons throughout the year, and the significance to the uh, Mi'kmaq uh, peoples of, uh, of sort of the Atlantic Canadian region. And I just, just like how it has this uh, tie-in to uh, culture and the things that are happening in nature uh, at those times. For example, this, this moon uh, that we were looking at was uh, called the Chief Moon here the other night. Uh, but anyway, um, have you had a chance to, to take a look at the book yet, Shane? Oh, I have. Yeah, I think it's a, a fantastic book. Um, just the quality of it in general, like uh, it's a heavier bonded paper. The artwork is incredible mm. uh, in the book. And I, I, you know, for me personally, I'm just fascinated by indigenous culture and learning about, um, just learning about their cultures. And this was, uh, this was a book that helped me with that. And, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, it'll probably make the rounds through my family because there's a number of other folks that are quite interested in topics like these. Yeah, and you know, when when we think about it, you know, oftentimes um, when we're reading about the history and mythology and lore of of the sky and and different uh, constellations or the moon or the planets and such, um, we only have sort of that one sort of dominant perspective that's out there. So I really, really like to read, um, you know, uh, indigenous cultures perspective on the moons. Like I know uh, we've done, I've done some stuff with Wilfred Buck. Um, uh, over in in uh, Manitoba in the past, and then as well, like I like to read about, you know, Chinese uh, different uh, star pattern interpretations and that sort of thing. So this is right up my alley for uh, for something actually from sort of my my home area. So I'm really really uh, really excited to uh, to have this on the shelf, and yeah, it's it's really cool. Yeah, uh, it's it's a wonderful book. I think it's about twenty five dollars Canadian. Yeah, and uh, I highly recommend it. And sort of aimed at, I think, kind of like older school age kids. So it's right, up, it's right up our alley too. It's it's right in a nice reading zone. And then, like you referenced, like the artwork in it, like you know, having having a bunch of paintings from uh, Loretta Gould is uh, Gould is a is a pretty good thing to have uh, anyway. Like the artwork in it is just phenomenal. So very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's top notch from you know page one to the end. Yeah, I'd actually gone back to Nova Scotia at one point in time, and I was in Nova Scotia while uh, Kathy and Dave were going around. They, this is based on talks that they had done uh, years ago, and I had attended the talks. I thought it was really, really nice uh, at that time, so I was excited because I'd sort of had a bit of, bit of a preview of what the book would have. But the book is um, much more detailed than a talk could ever be, so it's pretty flushed out. Very nice. Okay, so the Mars... Occultation. So Mars was going to disappear at 902 
and it was going to reappear at 10.07. So we'd have an ingress event just after 9 o'clock and then be able to take a break and then uh, we were going to be able to watch it reappear uh, just after uh, 10 o'clock p.m. But there was kind of one problem that day, Shane. Yeah. <laughs> what was the problem that day? <laughs> it was one of the coldest temperatures, um, I think, on record in our province when you factored in the wind chill. Yeah. Uh, like I think our base temperature was around minus 35 Celsius. And then I think with the wind, it was around minus 50-ish. Yeah, I had registered minus 37 here. And when I turned on the radio, it said it was minus 52 Celsius that yeah, day. The yeah. conversion's really easy to Fahrenheit because they just give up after minus 40 and it's basically the same. But uh, yeah, so if you can imagine what minus 52 Fahrenheit is, it's pretty much the same. Um, yeah, it's, it's very cold. So uh, <laughs> I was thinking I'm not going to see this event because... It's uh, I, originally my plan was to drive out into the fields because for for me anyway, Mars rises, of course, you know, that big street light behind my house. Mm, yes. Yeah. So Mars was going to be right um, behind that street light when this occurs. So I wouldn't be able to actually see it from my backyard. Oh, gee. So you, you had to shift locations. Yeah. Well, I was I was thinking of it, but uh, anyway, it was it wasn't as bad as mm. what was forecast. So in the afternoon. Um, it was still pretty cold, but by the time evening was rolling around, the, the clouds started to clear out and the temperature warmed up to a, a balmy minus 27 degrees. <laughs> well, you know, so, so cold really, I just want to do a sidebar here, Chris. Cold really is about kind of adaptation and a little bit about mindset in my mind. And when I went or to work, losing that your morning, mind. <laughs> yeah, when I went to work, my legs hurt just from a short walk from where I park into the building and uh, they hurt because of how cold it was. Oh yeah. And then when I left work, um, you know, so that's at about 7.30 in the morning and then I leave work closer to 5 p.m. I was like, wow, it's quite nice out all of a sudden. And it was like you say, minus 27. <laughs> minus 27. But, but it was so much better than minus 52. So. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's so cold at these temperatures. And, and so the thing that I've learned here is that temperature is not the same. Um, you know, every, every, even a single temperature can be experienced very differently. And when I drove home from work the, the night before, just as it was cooling down, and I pulled into my garage, which is an unheated garage, but it's still usually a little bit warmer than the outside. And I hopped out and all of the warm air in your car, if you can imagine that just being sucked out in about half a second, it's basically, it's probably very similar to what it would be like to opening the front door on the space station, because it, <laughs> it really is that kind of feeling, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, uh, it, it's unlike anything I'm used to and I'm kind of used to this. So. Oh, wow. It, so basically folks, it was really cool, but it had warmed up just enough. So I put on every single article of clothing that I, I own and a park over <laughs> on top and, uh, and I just decided to wander out into my driveway, which seemed like, you know, an expedition, expedition to Mars all on its own, um, mm -hmm. just to see if I could see it over my house so that I didn't have to try to look through, um, the street. I mean, I just wouldn't have been able to view it cause it was going to pass, uh, right, uh, behind the street lamp and, and basically be invisible. Um, but when I get out to the front of the driveway, 
I still couldn't quite see it, but I could go onto the sidewalk and see it from there. So I was just barely able to see it. So I knew that by the time the occultation was was going to be occurring, um, if I set up my telescope there, uh, I, w- I would be able to see it. So I went and grabbed the 60 millimeter and I put it up on the sidewalk in front of my house. Oh, nice. That's awesome. So yeah. So very quickly, you know, I kind of went in and, and said to my wife, hey, do you want to watch this? And she, she always asks, is G- do you think it's a rare event? Is it worth watching? And I said, absolutely, this is a rare event. It's going to be worth watching. So she said, okay, she would she would come out and watch it. So we took uh, turns just kind of switching back and forth really quick. And we watched um, kind of the, the sky sort of settle down. And we had to kind of watch it for five minutes, then go in and warm up for like 10 minutes and then come out and watch it again. And then as, as it got close, um, as it got close to the moon, the, the telescope finally cooled down and all the heat kind of came out of my garage. So, so the building was now cold and the house was cooling down, but we could see like the Sirtis major area and we could see some clouds and some of the polar cap, uh, uh, brightening area, whether it was the uh, polar hoods or, or a cap there. And then we could see some limb haze and, and maybe some frost. And then we just, what we did is we just kind of would step aside and let the other person take a view. So, so we watched like this little marble of Mars, it just looks mm-hmm. like this tiny little marble. It's a great and, description. Oh, just amazing. And then it just approaches. And it's one of those things where when it's far away, when it was like, I don't know, maybe um, within a degree away, it still seems like it's just hanging there beside the moon. And then once it gets within maybe like, I guess maybe like a quarter of a degree or a fifth of a degree away, it really begins to speed up. And it's like somebody hits like the fast forward uh, button. And so we were just stepping back and forth. And man, like once it started going behind the moon, it just just disappears so so quickly but it it was amazing to see and i was able to uh to do a bit of a sketch wearing my like big heavy gloves and uh it was it was a pretty brutal sketch but i went inside and i kind of cleaned it up a bit but uh i thought that my moon looked like something maybe a little bit out of ren and stimpy <laughs> I don't know if you remember those guys or not, but yeah, yeah. Well, you know, in those conditions, any any kind of uh, scribble or lines on a piece of paper should be considered a win. Yeah, and I, I thought I thought my little Mars came out okay. I thought it, I thought it came out okay. I think I got the color right. I'm not sure if I got the details uh, that good. But so what we did is is I capped up, went inside. I actually put mm-hmm. the telescope in in my car because I didn't want, like want to leave it sitting out mm-hmm. on the sidewalk. And then, uh, and we went in for that hour and I played with my sketch and, uh, actually chatted with Mike on the phone and, and he had been able just, just to barely get it through his 15 uh, by 50 Canon image stabilized binoculars. So we were kind of traded observations. And then, uh, as it got close to the time, I was like, well, we got to go. And then, uh, went back out, set up the scope and, uh, uh, we put on our, our parka. So we had taken off like our, our clothes that we had been wearing outside and it, it was so cold out that after these parkas and that were inside for almost an hour and we had our house running at like 22 degrees Celsius because we cranked up the heat because we're going to be in and out at these temperatures and our parkas were still cool after almost being inside for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, those temperatures cool. will cool everything. Yeah, so we did the same thing where we kind of were switching views because we went out maybe about uh, five or six minutes, maybe 
a little bit longer than that. But anyway, we went out before it was going to reappear and we did the same thing where we were just going back and forth. So I would look for like 10 or 15 seconds and then I'd move away and my wife would come in and look for 10 or 15 seconds. And I kind of felt like the time had passed. Um, and I was like, whoa. And I kind of jokingly said, boy, what would happen if Mars just never reappeared kind of thing, right? It was really weird mm-hmm. that we weren't seeing it at the appointed time. And then I switched back and on my next view, I noticed there was like this weird, strange dome, like crater or something. And then she looked again and I went back in and I was like, whoa, that's Mars. And she said, what? I missed it. She's pretty good observer. She's like her part of her job is observation. And I said, yeah, but it's like it got all the color sucked out of it by some sort of celestial vampire. It was just <laughs> completely drained of that blood red color, you know, sometimes we, we think of it as Mars having. So, you know, illusions of vampires aside, I was blown away because that was the opposite of what I expected. I expected it to really have more color as Mars was in close to the moon and we had that contrast effect. But there's like some sort of weird optical effect or illusion or something that, uh, that can occur, I guess. Hmm. Very interesting. Um, do you know of other reports of that? So I did a brief look, but you know, of course we don't, we don't yet have enough listeners to do this full-time Shane. So I had to, you know, kind of go in and kind of tidy up my sketch again and go to work the next day. And I did a quick look, I couldn't find anything, but, um, my friend Clark from, uh, well, we've had him on the show before and he's a former club mate of mine. Um, he sent me an observation from EE Barnard of his Mars, occultation observation from September 3rd of 1892 and he was using a 12 inch refractor at the uh, Lick Observatory and at that time which was like what like 130 years ago um, he wrote the planet faded slowly at the last contact and seemed to flicker for a moment just before final disappearance just before disappearing the light of the planet was a pale blue so he noticed some sort of color um change as well just you know and and again for me it was just as it was emerging when it was disappearing i didn't notice that um but it was when it was emerging and the weird part about my observation is um mars and the moon were much much higher when it reappeared than when it disappeared of course because just just of where we are so it was almost directly overhead so there was less atmospheric interference and the sky had actually cleared out even more like it was significantly um brighter uh around us just from the moonlight hitting the ground than it was when we watched uh it disappear so there definitely is something strange that uh that can go on there hmm that's really interesting and also you know it's a it's a good i guess maybe reminder uh to to watch these events from beginning to end um you know it, it like I've been guilty of this, uh, like in fact, even during the uh, total solar eclipse, um, you know, we, my wife and I watched that event for hours prior and then we watched, uh, you know, totality develop and then we thoroughly enjoyed totality. And then we watched a little bit as, as, uh, the moon started to move, you know, across the the face of the sun, Mm -hmm. but we didn't watch the, the final, like the second half, essentially, we wanted to beat the traffic out of there, which we did uh, successfully. But sometimes with these events, like strange things can occur Mm -hmm. 
that, you know, if you weren't observing the, the second half of this, then you would have missed that, which, um, you know, would have been unfortunate because that's a pretty neat observation. And, and in fact, I came very close not uh, to not observing it because one, the, the ingress point was at nine o'clock, which is fine, mm -hmm. but typically, um, you know, we're, you know, starting to wind down for the day at 10 and, you know, it was a, a school night quite literally because I work at university, um, you know, and I had to get up and, and go to work the next day. It was actually a pretty big day at work for me. So, uh, I had debated not watching, uh, the second part. And the other thing I should add is, and when we, when we went out for the second, uh, part, um, we hadn't been able to really see Mars as well next to the moon naked eye during the first part because it was just right over our roof. And uh, and when we went back out, it was nice and high. And so as Mars and the moon, you know, became further and further apart, we could finally see uh, Mars as, as like a little sort of pale, very off-white kind of egg shell type of uh, dot right next to the moon. And it was, again that same kind of effect was visible to the unaided eye. And instead of being like this big contrast event where I thought maybe it would shine more orangey brilliant, um, it was far, far muted down and almost the same color as the moon when it was right beside the moon to, to my unaided eye and just sort of barely, barely orange or peach color. And as it moved away, it turned into more like a pastel peach color and then once it was like maybe half a degree away, it was back to its brilliant, uh, shiny orange again. So, and, and it wasn't just me that noticed it. Like my wife was like, wow, are you seeing like these weird colors and that kind of I'm like, yeah, like I'm, I'm noticing this as well. So it was really neat to, to take that in. It was the exact opposite of what I thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, I'm glad you were able to, to see both, uh, well, you know, both, uh, ingress and egress and, uh, make that observation. Very cool. Yeah, and we had uh, Peter uh, send us in a uh, uh, an image. Um, I think it was uh, him testing out his AM5 mount uh, on a next dome pier using his Takahashi 100DZ. Oh, yeah, I love that telescope a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very nice. And he kind of he kind of shows it. I think my my Mars was bigger than his. No, I my I think my sketch might might have been a, a little bit off. I was trying to get the get the detail. But uh, yeah, he really, really did a nice capture. And then Mark Radici um, released a, a very short video. I think it's only like 40 seconds long. And his, uh, his YouTube channel is uh, Refreshing Views. And, uh, and he did some stacking as, uh, as Mars was close to the limb. So uh, he did a pretty good job there. People should check that out at Refreshing Views um, on, on the YouTube. So yeah. Awesome. That's, that's the yeah. occultation observation. Anything to add to this, Shane? Um, not really. Just if, um, if other folks have observed the occultation and have an observing report, please send it in. We'd love to read them. Uh, mm -hmm. I know we received a few and, uh, I'm sure there's others out there. So, uh, please share if you have it. That'd be great. And just one last final reminder to folks, we're having uh, that Patreon supporter draw as, uh, as a thank you to all our Patreon supporters. And we're going to do the draw. We're just sort of still working out our, our Christmas schedule. We're going to release uh, as many shows as possible, but uh, we'll do our, our draw and announcement uh, right around New Year's. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com. <laughs>